I'm Dr. Michael Detola. And I'm Megan Strong. I know a 93-year-old dentist who can do 59 more pull-ups than you. That and a great case of the week on today's Chairside Live. Welcome to episode 26 of Chairside Live. Megan, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. We've got a nice episode for you today. We've got an interesting case of the week. Actually, it's a, a couple of cases. And uh, what I want to show you are some digital impressions that have come into the laboratory. I think there's uh, kind of this idea out there that if you switch to digital impressions, it becomes easier to get a good impression than it does doing it the traditional way with polyvinyl or polyether. So we'll take a look at these digital impressions and see um, if we can tell any difference between how they look as a digital impression and what they might have looked like had they been done in a traditional fashion. But before we go to that, let's go to a segment we call You Are Man. This week's letter comes from Dr. Matthew Kaufman and he begins, guys, I think the show is great. I recently discovered it and I've gone back and watched them all and have learned a lot. Well, Matthew, first of all, that is the right way to watch these. Uh, Chairside Live, much like the Police Academy movies, if you do not watch them in order, it can be difficult to follow the plot from episode to episode. He also says, I also appreciate that you share the failure cases. It's great to see common mistakes and tips for how to avoid them. Absolutely, Matthew, and uh, a lot of the mistakes that we show are mistakes that I spent a lot of time making in the first 13 years uh, of my career, so I'm very familiar with these mistakes, and we do see them because they are the most common mistakes, so anything we can offer uh, to kind of help make it easier for you to be able to avoid those mistakes, we're more than happy to do. So, Matthew, please look forward to uh, the signed picture of Megan and myself, the guys <laughs> that you will receive in the mail. That'll be coming to your office shortly. Now let's go ahead and go to Megan and the news. The tooth of late Beatles singer John Lennon is set to hit the road on a tour in the UK to raise oral cancer awareness. A Canadian dentist purchased the tooth for $30,000 at an auction. A piece of the tooth was used in a necklace made by a jeweler in Beverly Hills, California. In honor of National Oral Cancer Action Month in the UK, the necklace will visit 16 dental practices around the UK that will offer free cancer screenings. Well, I'm really happy that there's going to be people getting the free cancer screenings, but right. is that weird? I think it's a little bit weird. I mean, it, as, but if it draws people to the practices and then, you know, maybe it saves a life, then fantastic. But it is strange. It seems weird that part of John Lennon's tooth is on tour, right. you know, uh, more or less, and we don't, I don't know. It seems a little bit strange. It seems strange that the Canadian dentist who we'd love to do a live interview with here on Chairside right. Live. I'd, I'd like to find out his motivation, but I guess he sent it to the jeweler or maybe he cut off part of the tooth and parceled it out and sent it down to the jeweler to come up with a really unique piece of jewelry. But right. uh, it's still kind of a surprising story. I'm, and I'm a little conflicted. If, if you had to have one part of your body go on tour like this, which one would you choose? <laughs> you know, I'd have to think about that, but I don't know if it'd be my tooth. Yeah, I'm not sure about the tooth. It's easy because you got 28 teeth, but I'm, I'm leaning towards toe. Right. If it's me. <laughs> Might prove difficult for some stability issues, but okay. We'll see. Anything else? Yes. If you have been making excuses for why you can't get into shape, this might be the motivation you need to get going. A 93-year-old retired British dentist has a hobby that might surprise you. Bodybuilding. The competitive bodybuilder noticed his body was getting flabby, so he began his bodybuilding career at the ripe old age of 87. He even has a former Mr. Universe help him train. After six years, his daily routine is more than two hours, and he can even do more than 60 pull-ups and 50 push-ups at a time. 
He says his motivation is vanity and to turn the heads of the young 70-year-old women on the beach. Is this a picture of him? Yeah, it is. This is him right here. Oh, my God. He doesn't have any fingers. <laughs> oh, he's making a fist. Right. That is, um, if I had to guess, I would say that I would put him at 70. Right. As so he's, you know, right in line for those women on the beach. Right. The 70-year-old yeah. women. I'd like uh -huh. to see what he looks like. That It is pretty impressive. He's got nice form and... Uh, didn't smile. Maybe the British oh. teeth thing. I don't know. Uh, maybe some veneers. You know, if you want to go 20 years younger and want to get uh, right, start dating women. Yeah, exactly. You got to get to about at least an A1, maybe a B1. And straighten him out just a little bit as well. But he's got some medals, so obviously he's doing well in his competitions. Right. So congratulations, doctor, at the age of 93. A, for making it to that age, and B, for being in the best shape of your life at that age. All right, let's go ahead and take a look now at the case of the week. When I'm out lecturing and, and talking about digital impressions, there seems to be uh, a notion that some dentists have that uh, digital impressions are actually easier to do than conventional impressions uh, because of the increase in technology, but that's not necessarily true. For example, I just pulled a, a random digital impression out that came through our CEREC department, and this happens to be with the uh, BlueCam technology, which is still fantastic. I still like using this camera. I haven't received my Omnicam yet, so this is what I use. But I just want to point out a few things as we look around here. Um, I've heard some dentists say that they don't use as much retraction cord as they used to since they switched to digital impressions. But as we look around here, you can see that it really kind of gets indistinct in this area as we look at this. Now, I don't know if this would have turned out any better with polyvinyl siloxane uh, impression technique. You know, maybe some of the physical impression material would have pushed the gingiva away from the tooth a little bit. But the fact remains that whether it's a digital impression or a conventional impression, we really need to make sure that we take care of the tissue well and do get some retraction, like right along here. We can see we've got nice retraction here. With this kind of retraction, it doesn't matter if we're gonna take a digital impression or if we're gonna use a standard polyvinyl or polyether impression because we can see it all the way around. But when it comes time to mark the margin here in this area, it's gonna get difficult. And likewise, if we move to the distal abutment on this tooth, we can see that uh, as we come around, it's pretty well defined. You can very, see it very clearly. Almost looks super gingival here. And then all of a sudden, it kind of ducks down under the tissue. And this is super gingival. And that actually looks like a difficult area to pack retraction cord. This is one of the areas, certainly in the posterior region of the mouth, where I'm definitely going to take out my diode laser and do some troughing right along here to make sure that I clear that away so we can clearly see the margin. So a subgingival margin um, is something that probably is a little easier to do with a polyether or a polyvinyl impression just because the material can be squirted subgingival. When it comes to a digital impression like this, we need to have direct line of sight. So the tissue can't be leaning over the margin of all, at all. There can't be any kind of tissue undercut where we can't see this margin. So when we have this much tissue, probably the easiest way to do it would be to take a diode laser and just trough along the mesial. You can see as we come along here, we're slightly super gingival, very easy to see. Uh, then we've got this little um, area where it goes into the tooth and back again. And then you can see here, again, it looks like um, it's hard to decide why it looks clean here. And we can see the sulcus, but then here it appears to be touching the tooth again. And so really taking care of the tissue well becomes more important with a digital impression than it does with a conventional impression because of, the, because of the fact that we don't have the physical body of the impression material to push tissue around. 
So we're still able to mark the margin uh, here at the laboratory and kind of take a best guess uh, at how this is going to be. Um, again, if we could see the margin clearly 360 degrees around these preparations, we go into it with a lot higher level uh, of confidence that we're going to send you back a successful restoration. We can debate whether or not this should have been built up. Well, I don't think it's much of a debate. Um, obviously, it probably should be built up in ideal dentistry, but it'll still probably work anyway. This is for a four-unit uh, Bruxer bridge in the posterior. And as long as we design this and we see that it's not going to violate the rule of 27, which is something we talked about in an earlier episode, where we look at the connection between the abutment teeth and the pontics that are here. As long as we have 27 square millimeters, this will be strong enough for a Bruxer bridge. You've probably heard me say it before. However, this is one of the areas where I still, from time to time, use PFMs. PFM bridges are still stronger than a Bruxer bridge because a Bruxer is still uh, an all ceramic uh, material. And so there are times where I still use multiple unit PFMs for bridges like that. Uh, I don't use many single unit PFMs anymore. In fact, I haven't done one for a couple of years because everything's now Emacs and Bruxer. But for multiple units, I still like to use PFM for bridges. And here's one other issue we have with the digital impression that we may or may not have had with a conventional impression. We have very little contact here uh, anterior uh, to the bridge. And so when we look at the tooth in front of the bridge preparation, we have half of this tooth that's been scanned and is in contact with the opposing arch. And that's really not enough for us uh, to be able to get a, an accurate centric occlusion and, and really feel like in uh, excursions on the virtual model that we're going to be able to do what we need to do. So. If we look at the last picture, again, you can see the two preparations where the margin's been marked. And here we only have half of the tooth, half of the cuspid in front of it. So essentially what this is like is if we used a double arch tray to take an impression for a bridge, which you've probably heard me say many, many times, uh, double arch trays are contraindicated uh, anytime we have more than two units. And certainly for all bridges, we would never use something like a triple tray to take that impression. And that's essentially what happened here because all we have is an impression length from just distal to the distal abutment to half the tooth mesial to it. And so if it were a conventional impression technique, we would prefer that we have a full mouth impression. We don't necessarily need a full mouth impression here, but we definitely want to have the cuspid uh, and the lower anterior teeth and at least the cuspid on the contralateral side to really feel that we're going to have uh, a nice, uh, accurate bite registration that's going to allow us to send back a restoration that's going to work well in the patient's mouth. So digital impressions you know, are a, a step forward in terms of technology, but it still comes down to are we going to treat the tissue well? And you've got to treat the tissue even better for a digital impression than for a conventional impression. I grabbed one other case that I wanted to share with you because this is something I've seen a couple times in the last couple weeks and it always surprises me. One of the neat things about digital impressions is that we're able to have the patient bite all the way together for the bite registration and then we can slide the camera in next to it and take what we call a buckle bite. So this should be more accurate than a conventional bite registration where we squirt the bite registration material onto the teeth and have the patient close down into it. That can be more difficult because we can't always visually verify that they're in maximum intercuspation. And so one of the things that I've noticed is like we see on this case, this appears to be, this is the bite sent in by the doctor with the digital impression, but you can see that we don't have contact between these posterior teeth. They are open because of the way the patient is hitting on the anterior teeth. And so when we see an open bite like this with just anterior contact, we have to wonder, 
is this the patient's correct bite? So we gave uh, the, the doctor a call and uh, the patient just happened to be there in hygiene. He said, you know what, I'll tell you what, let me, um, let me get the patient over. I'll take a physical impression for you and we can actually pour that up and take a look at it and we'll compare it. He said, I'd feel better doing that than trying uh, another digital one for this particular case. So the doctor actually did take a uh, polyvinyl impression in a double arch tray and sent it into us. And you can see that when we poured this up, it's pretty clear that these two molars are definitely in occlusion as you would expect them to be. The patient does have interesting almost edge-to-edge -edge occlusion in the anterior, but when you look at those posterior teeth, they are exactly where they should be and the wear facets on those teeth match perfectly. And this is, in fact, uh, the patient's accurate bite, proving that we did not have an accurate bite on that uh, digital impression. So you might ask yourself, well, if you're able to have the patient close down and then you take the bite registration, how would you ever get a bite registration where the patient's actually open? I think what happens is we're so used to having the patient open and then we put bite registration on the teeth and then have the patient close that a lot of times with digital impressions, we have the patient open, we put the camera in, which now takes up some room and pushes against their cheek and then we have the patient bite down again and now we shoot the picture and if the patient happens to go slightly forward in protrusive as this patient did, we're gonna have more contact on these anterior teeth and we're gonna have the disclusion of those posterior teeth so they won't be in occlusion. So anytime I'm taking a digital impression, I have the patient close all the way together, I take the mirror, I verify that the posterior teeth uh, are together and I have the patient hold it together and with my finger under their chin to make sure they don't open, I slide the camera in next to their teeth and then capture that buckle bite while they're still together. And for me, that's the best way to do it. That's probably the best way to do a regular bite registration too, but I just never like having the patient bite down and try to squirt it in from the buckle because you only get bite registration on half the tooth. On a conventional one, I still prefer to squirt the polyvinyl bite registration onto the preps, have the patient bite down, and then go to the contralateral side over here and make sure that the patient's in maximum intercuspation. So if you are taking digital impressions, I would certainly suggest that you have the patient bite all the way down, get a hand or finger under their chin from you or your assistant to reinforce that you don't want them to open, because I think their natural reaction when we slide the camera is to open and make more space for us. But that's not what we want. We're just trying to move the cheek out a little bit and get that room. So again, as you can see uh, on the uh, digital scan of that, we definitely have some space between those opposing teeth. So it was great that the doctor had the opportunity to take the patient, take a traditional impression, send it to us so we could verify the correct bite on the traditional model. We're now going to be able to make a Bruxer bridge uh, for this doctor that will have a high degree of confidence, will fit and function well once it's in the patient's mouth. That about wraps it up for this week's edition of Chairside Live. On behalf of myself, Megan, and everybody here at the laboratory, I want to thank you for your time and your continued commitment to quality dentistry. We'll see you next time. Wow. 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 Right.